Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I am your host, Lauren Coletti. Happy Tuesday. I didn't realize what day it is, but yes, it is Tuesday. I hope everyone had a good weekend and even better Mother's Day. If you haven't heard already, check out my last episode on specifically geared towards Mother's Day and the challenges that it could perhaps bring if we had a less than ideal childhood or relationship with our mother. Today I want to come on here real quick, as I always say, and then the episode ends up being super long. I just wanted to touch base with everyone, give a little bit of an update, explain what's to come and what you can expect in the next few weeks. So I have not been working the last two weeks, and next week I'm starting a full-time position in a psychiatric hospital as a counselor. I am both nervous and excited for that, so I will not be as available um, for the next couple of weeks because I will be working full-time, and after work I have a relationship. I have so many things. Adulting is so not easy. You have to learn to balance and juggle all these different responsibilities and roles that we play as humans. So I hope I will be able to release at least one episode a week. And then the end of the month, I am going to Nashville, Tennessee, which I'm also extremely excited and looking forward to. I've always been drawn to Tennessee for some reason, I think perhaps because I'm such a writer and they have such a creative music environment there. And I love to write songs and lyrics and all that good stuff. So my heart's always been in Tennessee, perhaps in a past life. I was a Southern country girl. So that should be really, really fun. But I want to bring you mental health geared episodes for this month because it is mental health awareness month. So, So today I'm going to be talking about limiting beliefs settling and imposter syndrome pertaining to relationships. Um, quick little caveat here. So I have been on the Nuvering for two weeks now, and I got to say I'm not loving it, guys. Um, I've been trying to find the right birth control for me and explore all my different options. And with the Nuvering, the first week was really rough because I was feeling dizzy and lightheaded and um, nauseous and just not great. And my skin's been breaking out like crazy. So hopefully it will settle down the next week or so. If not, I am going to have to come off of it. I do like that. I don't have to really think about it because with the Nuvering, it is a birth control ring. You leave it in for three weeks, take it out for one. So it's kind of just in there chilling and you don't feel it. At least you're not supposed to kind of like a tampon, but I can't say that I'm loving it so far. So let me know your thoughts on the birth control patch or if you have a hormonal IUD, those are going to be my next two options. And if those fail, I'm just going to do the natural birth control um, cycle route where I track my cycle and take my um, temperature and things like that because I'm not a huge fan of putting hormones into my body, if I'm being honest with y'all. Also, My boyfriend and I ordered a sex toy. Well, I ordered it. Um, The Wee Vibe. And I didn't know if everyone's interested in hearing sex toy reviews and products that I'm currently loving and my recommendations to spice things up in the bedroom. Because let's be real, if you are monogamous, things will eventually probably get boring and you got to keep it fun. And um, novelty is huge and exploration and adventure and fun. Got to have fun in the bedroom. So let me know if you're interested in hearing an episode like that. But without further ado, let's get into today's show. 
So all this stuff is so relevant in my life right now. Limiting beliefs. What are they? How do we identify them? And how do we heal from them? How do we quote unquote get over them? So if you think back to your earliest childhood memories, it's likely you remember times when we're fearless and you did things you wouldn't dare do now. But as we begin to age, we get introduced to an unending list of rules about how we should act, look, what we should say. And these likely result in limiting beliefs that perhaps do not serve you and do not help you realize your full potential. So while you do have to live by some rules, it's important that you don't hold yourself back from living a full life. By the way, my friends, if you hear a little like rumbling in the background, it's because I was too lazy to get up and go record my room. So I am right next to the washing machine. So thanks for your patience. (laughs) Anyway, moving along. If you feel like you want to attain quote unquote greater heights, but your own mind is standing in your way, we're going to explore our limiting beliefs and how we can kind of tackle them head on. And specifically for me, these appear in my relationship with my intimate partner, Nicholas. So what are limiting beliefs? So if you've ever made a statement like, I would never be good at this, or I'm not good at this, or for me, what I said this week is, the second I start wanting something, it eludes me. For example, I wanted this other job that presented itself to me, the opportunity arose, and my limiting belief was like, now that I want this job, I'm not going to get it. And what do you know? Law of attraction is motherfucking real. So I proved myself right and I did not get the job. So a limiting belief is a state of mind or a conviction that you think to be true. You're, it's like telling someone the sky is pink. Did you guys know that the sky is actually not blue? It's just a reflection of the ocean. I just found that out like the other day. But anyway, these limiting beliefs could be about you, life in general, with how the world works. And they have a number of negative effects when they are detrimental or not positive. They keep us from making good choices or taking new opportunities or moving outside our comfort zone. And ultimately, they keep us stuck in this comfort zone and hinder us from living a life that we really want for ourselves. So what causes these and where do they come from? So some people argue that individuals, humans are not wired to be open-minded and our inherent biases cause us to kind of just desire agreeable information, information that seems true to us or that we've experienced. So we believe it to be true, but there are other things that cause these beliefs. And these are familial beliefs. We end up forming our beliefs based on the beliefs that are instilled in us, on our authority figures, our parents reinforcing something. And as a result, we could believe that we can accept these to be true for us. And we are often, they're so ingrained and unconscious that we can't even recognize this. Also our education, this plays a major role in forming limiting beliefs too, our ideas, information, and beliefs about how the world work. A really huge one is experiences. When you make decisions or have experiences in life, it's un- it's like very common for us to draw conclusions afterwards. For me, for example, I've if you fall in love and you continually get hurt or abused or used, we conclude that love isn't worth it. It always ends in pain. As I was talking about in my last episode, being adopted, I be- I 
formed this belief that I was unworthy of love, that I wasn't good enough, that something was wrong with me. I'm unwanted. I'm always abandoned. Thereby, I perpetuated, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, all these experiences that I ended up concluding, this is because I'm not good enough. This is because no one wants me. And these sort of negative experiences strongly shape our world. They strongly shape our psyche and the way our mind works and our mindset. And it's important to remember that the conclusions we come to after bad experiences happen, they're only valid temporarily. So how do we identify these? Seeing as a lot of our beliefs may not be easily identifiable, I personally like to identify to write down my beliefs. Just start by writing down your general beliefs and examine which ones are helping you grow and which ones are keeping us stuck. Another one is assessing our behavior. Think about scenarios when you've acted in negative or toxic ways and consider why. If we analyze our toxic behaviors, we can sometimes discover what the underlying cause of these limiting beliefs are. Another one, because I'm a huge fan of journaling, write down the areas in which we feel challenged. Especially if we notice reoccurring challenges in certain areas of our lives, such as our love lives, our body image, this could be indicative of limiting beliefs. So for me, I've felt in the last couple of years, like I can't seem to land a well-paid job or I never have luck when it comes to money. And these challenges are simply because of the law of attraction, because of the metaphysical law. They're the byproduct of beliefs that we adopted as truth. The world and the universe reflects back to us that of which we truly believe inside. So the good thing about this is that we have the power to change them. We are the creator, the co-creator of our lives. And it's not an easy process, but through commitment and a greater level of self-awareness and insight, it is possible. So we have to organize our environment. Our environment has a huge effect on our beliefs. So by creating a better environment, we can improve the flow. We could improve our space, keep that positive energy flowing and get rid of the negative energy. So this influences our mindset and helps us to focus on positive thoughts and beliefs. So for me, I've come to realize that at 26 years old, I have to start weaving out and getting rid of some toxic, I hate using the word toxic, but negative energy individuals in my life that don't lift me up because I realized that a couple of my quote unquote friends really, I don't want to be like them. And the people we surround ourselves with are the people whose energy we absorb and we become. So people that don't look up to or respect, why am I going to spend all my time with them? This is only hindering and reinforcing those beliefs. Another tip is embracing minimalism. So the fundamentals of minimalism are clarity, honesty, and detaching from material things. So seeing as minimalism is all about our mindset and resisting peer pressure, quote unquote, this could be the perfect reset we need to reverse limiting beliefs and embrace a more meaningful lifestyle. Number three, explore more. Limiting beliefs are often a result of being closed-minded. So learn to let curiosity lead you. Curiosity creates opportunities for us to challenge our ideas and explore. Talk to people who have different backgrounds than you. Play devil's advocate. Kind of dive into and dwell into ideas that you don't believe. So this helps us to engage with different cultures and different ways of life. Number four, counseling. This is huge 
just go to therapy, everyone. That is the moral of this show. This uh, mental health professionals are there to provide an opinion outside of us to track our triggers and to help us progress over time and kind of get out of these negative, low vibe emotional states. Another one is meditation. This is huge. Just take a few moments every single day to calm your mind, connect with your inner self and meditate. Personal development. Self-improvement is so huge. It helps us to overcome our weaknesses. And a lot of things, although they do start in the mind, require action, right? This is a physical world. So things won't magically disappear. So I invite you to develop yourself, read books, listen to materials such as podcasts, set goals for yourself, journal, meditate, get in touch with your body, do positive affirmations if they find you find it helpful to you. Push yourself and develop that courage you need to achieve more. So the world is full of beliefs and as long as there are different kinds of people, this will not change. However, we have to figure out which beliefs help us live the life we've dreamed of. So all of the beliefs that keep us from living a life that we desire because we feel it's not possible for us are limiting and we should get rid of those. So by doing so, we give ourselves a chance to create a life that supersedes our expectations. And for me, this is really true in the field of relationships. I'm coming at you from personal experience and I feel like this ties hand in hand with imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome can appear in our relationships too. So we mostly hear people mention imposter syndrome in reference to professional insecurities. But imposter syndrome is a secret belief that deep down we're not as bright, capable, competent, or talented as others think we are. And we kind of feel like an imposter, like we have this fear of being found out. This goes back to limiting beliefs. They are intricately connected. And these happen, this appears in our romantic relationships too. So this is when there's this internal false belief that we are not good enough for our partner. And it's the thought that if I show up as my authentic self, this person is going to reject me and I'm not deserving of this relationship. Another common relationship imposter syndrome situation is the feeling you're not attractive enough for your partner. Your girl feels this almost every single day. And I got to tell you guys, like even coming here on this podcast, part of me thinks, No one wants to hear what I have to say. Who am I to be giving this information? Like I'm an imposter because I preach all this stuff on spirituality and connection and intimacy and relationships. And that is the area in which I have the greatest challenge if I'm being completely honest. But I think that the places where we've been most wounded and broken, quote unquote, are the places in which we have the greatest potential to help others heal and to heal ourselves. So all these feelings stem from a place of insecurity and these just, these thoughts, these beliefs doesn't just hurt our own psyche. It can actively harm our relationships because we have this false belief that we're not enough. So we show up differently and it's actually going to limit our intimacy in our relationship if we really don't address the idea that this person in our mind, we think that they're going to leave us. They're going to get tired of us. They could do better. So how do we break free from relationship-related imposter syndrome? Along with the limiting beliefs, I want to note that before we try to change anything, just notice where we have these thoughts that we're not good enough or I'm not successful enough to support my children, my partner, my life. 
I'll never be enough. I'll never X, Y, and Z. So after we start to pick up on how these thoughts come up, ask ourselves how they impact our lives and our relationships. Do your fears about being not enough cause us to seek validation excessively? Withdraw and become emotionally unavailable? Pick fights? Mm Mm-hmm. Ya bitch, that's me. That's all the stuff I do. (laughs) It even happened last night, guys. Like, I have to tell you that... Last night, I thought I initiated sex, which I may or may not have, but Nick didn't really, he wasn't picking up what I was putting down and he didn't reciprocate. So I immediately felt rejected. I immediately felt like he blew me off and embarrassed and regretful. And then on the way home, I was internalizing all of his behavior, which I was interpreting and could have very well been interpreting incorrectly. And I got really mad at him and I had to blow off some steam and vent and just sleep it out. And now I feel a lot better, but I realize that a majority of the problems we have, we create them ourselves. They come from us making assumptions in our mind. And we often want to blame a relationship's end on a really tangible thing, right? But a lot of times someone is really emotionally unavailable because they haven't done the internal work to realize what their intimacy blocks are. And this kind of imposter syndrome is one of these blocks. So start by asking yourself, am I actually available to have a relationship or are my own insecurities getting in the way and what I'm afraid could happen? So kind of the same as working on our limiting beliefs, we have to, what we could, Find the right tool for us. Find what works for you because everyone is unique. Everyone is individual. And what might work for me might not work for you and vice versa. So you could start by practicing daily affirmations, obviously considering therapy, even couples therapy. Most importantly, talk to you, boo. So much of relationship imposter syndrome happens in our heads. So by actually communicating and addressing our insecurities can be useful. By bringing up our fears and allowing our partner to comfort us is intimacy. So say it out loud. If you need reassurance, get reassurance. Talk back to that negative voice with a new voice and really just ask yourself, is this true? How do I know it's true? What if it's not true? This really helps to battle that. And I understand that it's extremely hard and it could seem very vulnerable. It is vulnerable and scary because we feel like we could be rejected or what if we tell this person and then we get humiliated or it's not um, reciprocated. And I don't suggest asking for your partner for reassurance like 24-7 hours a day. I think it needs to be a mutual listening. You bring it up, they listen, you listen and believe them guys though. Because when we're at a place where we can accept our partner's reassurance, it's essential. If we can't, we're going to consistently seek that validation and it can kind of become overbearing and too much. So if you find yourself asking for some variation of am I enough for you repeatedly, you, we have to take a deeper look at this. And this is especially where professional help comes in and can be extremely helpful. We all have our own insecurities, but it's important to recognize when our insecurities actively hurt our relationships. So even if it doesn't feel like you're enough, remind yourself that you are enough. And a lot of times people that believe they're not good enough, this could manifest as jealousy or becoming possessive or controlling and clingy. And this is actually where we do the opposite of what we're hoping to achieve and push our partner away. So I just wanted to note that. 
Next conversation topic of interest I wanted to talk about before we wrap up today is settling because settling happens all the time in relationships. Unfortunately, even in a job, guys, settling happens in so many different areas of our lives. And I think it's really connected to our limiting beliefs of what we deserve. So are we settling or are we just being realistic? Now, I'm not talking about this because I feel like I'm settling in a relationship. Not at all. Um, I'm actually noticing one of my close friends going through this, so I wanted to talk about it. And I felt like it was kind of related to what we're talking about today. Because it all comes down to overthinking, right? When it comes to romance and relationships, we overthink everything. So it's a legit question. When the honeymoon phase ends and realism sets in, it could be tempting to wonder, am I settling? And after all, with the seemingly endless supply of options nowadays, like swipe, swipe, It could be tough to discern if the person you're with is a great fit or if you've just kind of given up and decided to settle. And this could be a fearful mistake. Like this is why so often people are emotionally unavailable because they ask themselves, can I do better? What if I could be happier? And it's a good question. But that said, marriage or any kind of relationship does not come with a 100% guarantee And this is what freaks me out a lot about marriage because I'm like, yeah, I could very well be happy in the first year or five years, but what if 10 years down the line, I feel like I'm settling and I'm not happy. I feel stuck and I hate feeling stuck and smothered in relationships. It's like as a avoidant attachment, it's one of my biggest fears. So let's take a moment of intrinsic honesty to determine where we stand. So number one, our acceptance of our partner and of of each other. In settling, you are in this relationship for their potential. I've been there, girl. I have fucking been there time and time again. So we have these notions that our partner will be different once, you know, they've done the work or they just need a little bit more time to be the person we want them to be. A healthy relationship is you accept them as they are right now. Number two, mutual respect. In settling, We are consistently disrespected. Your partner will sometimes belittle what's important to you, make you feel crazy. And when you want their attention, they could respond harshly or ignore you. And we rationalize them in our mind by thinking, oh, they don't really mean it. People treat us the way that we allow them to treat us and people show us who they are. So believe it, in a healthy relationship, We can say with confidence that we are respected and even if we have different perspectives, our partner makes us feel validated. We are equal. Next is our ability to compromise. In settling, your partner doesn't consider you in their actions. In a healthy relationship, they respond positively to what you need. They are genuinely curious about what's important to you and they're willing to compromise. Number four, our gut instincts. Huge. Oh my gosh, don't ignore it. In settling, we feel anxious, we feel insecure, we feel unsure. Something is off. But in a healthy relationship, we feel a sense of peace. And feelings of infatuation obviously don't last forever, but once they start to fade, we feel comfort and safe and security. Number five, overall interactions. In settling, there's good times and bad times. It's very intermittent. We think of the good times and how we wish it could be again. And this happens way too often in abusive relationships. But in a healthy relationship, 
We consistently have good times together. There is a deep friendship. There is a foundation of positivity. The pros outweigh the cons. Number six, our social circle. In settling, we frequently find ourselves complaining about this person to family and friends. But this is so toxic, and I have to say this. If you consistently stay with someone that you complain about a good amount of the time, you are just as toxic as them. And I say this as someone that's been in unhealthy, dysfunctional relationships where 95% of the time I was bitching and moaning and complaining about my partner to my family and friends. I didn't realize how toxic I in that case, you're just as bad as the person because you are enabling the behavior. You are codependent and you are allowing it and you are not doing anything about it. And this isn't to make you feel disempowered, but this is to make you realize that a relationship is 50-50. And in a healthy relationship, our family and friends will like this person. You know that no one is perfect and no relationship is without conflict, but you feel supportive. Number seven, your reason. Let's just be honest here. In settling, we kind of, it feels forced. And maybe you just think that, oh, I'm at a certain age. All these people are getting married. I'm at the age of 26 where people around me are all getting engaged or having babies. And you feel like you have to live up to this timeline. In a healthy relationship, you want the person for them, right? It's, it's not, it doesn't have to result in an end goal. Number eight, your relationship goals. In a settling relationship, maybe this person is like, oh yeah, we'll get married someday, but they don't actively work towards the idea. They're stringing you along. In a healthy relationship, you both kind of talk through it. Maybe you want the same things. You try to figure it out. You're engaged in conversations and you have the same goal. Number nine, this is a big one, your toxic behaviors. We always, we cannot blame the other person. No one else is in the driver's seat of our lives. Even though it's easier to feel like that, it's easier to play victim. We have to take our power back. So in a settling relationship, criticism, content, stonewalling, defensiveness. These are the four horsemen, as Dr. John Gottman calls them, of relationship doom, right? Take these toxic behaviors seriously. They're not normal, even if they're part of your past, even historically, if all of your relationships were dramatic and overly emotional and there was a lot of turmoil. mm -mm. In a healthy relationship, these behaviors might show their face. They might pop up kind of like a -a whack-a-mole, but you hit them back down. Not often. You might get critical or defensive, maybe because of your past. It's okay. But you move on. It's more infrequent. And you've learned to effectively repair any damage that your behaviors have done. You take accountability and responsibility and you apologize. Number 10. Last one here. Our deal breakers. In a settling relationship, we overlook the red flags, the warning signs. We rationalize our deal breakers because we believe that they'll change or we'll figure it out. We stay in a relationship because of fear. And it might be scary, but by not cutting it off or addressing the issues, you just waste more time. On the opposite side, in a healthy relationship, we talk through this. And sometimes we realize, oh, this is a deal breaker. It's not going to work out. So you let it go. You move on. Or 
you decide to, I don't want to say negotiate, but if something isn't a deal breaker, you address it. You hit it head on and then you move on. So letting go of someone we love, even if they're a terrible fit, it's still terrifying. You don't know if you'll find anyone else, which you will, I promise. If I could find someone, anyone in the entire world could find someone. But this fear of being single forever, not finding the right person, it could be paralyzing. And on the flip side, if you've been dating for a while, you just know like no one's perfect. No one is going to complete us, right? So just remember, you could view your single state or your unmarried state as one of power. Take this time for you to figure yourself out. Learn what you want. The power to figure out if you're with the right person, even if you're in a relationship. And the potential power to give yourself permission to find someone who is a better fit for both of you. Because when we stay in a relationship that doesn't serve us, we're not just doing ourselves an injustice, we're also hurting the other person. And a lot of times people will say, oh, I don't want to break up with them because I don't want to hurt them. Well, guess what? You're hurting them by staying with them. When you do the right thing for you, you ultimately do the right thing for everyone. So I'm going to wrap this up here. And I hope this resonated or related to you in some way, shape, or form. I hope that this helped validate you, bring you comfort. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, rate, subscribe, and share. Follow me on Instagram at Sex and Spirituality Pod. And I will talk to you in the next episode.